today's Who Became interview is with Kyle Deputis, the host of the Reaching Beyond podcast. Now, Kyle and his wife paid off $380,000 of debt in 38 months. And I know what you're thinking. I wish I could do that. Well, I think we can all pay down our debt, but it's a question of will we make the sacrifices to make it happen? Join me and Kyle as he shares how he did it and how you can follow in his Money Momentum program. Well, Kyle, welcome to the Overcame podcast. Uh, Simon, I am happy to be here, man. I think I told you that. Did you know my middle name is also Simon? I did. And that, that's one of the reasons why I was like, I want to talk to this guy now. We're, we're instant friends. It's, it's a good name. You're, you've got two good parents there. That's right. Yeah, so do you. Uh, well, and it's funny because um, we have a mutual friend in Brian Suter, maybe around a year ago. Could be a bit longer. He was like, hey, do you know Kyle? And I was like, Kyle, Kyle who? And he gave me your podcast, uh, and I've been hooked ever since on your stuff, uh, an avid listener. Um, and it's been really exciting to see your, your growth in the sort of past um, 12 months, and then reaching out to you and getting to, to know you uh, as a person as well. So I'm really blessed that you've taken the time to, to join me today. Yeah, well, I'm excited. I, uh, I can't wait to get into the conversation. And uh, likewise, I appreciate that. Anyone who is a friend of Brian Suter is a, is a friend of mine too. Well, that's good. It's good. And so you are the founder of Reaching Beyond Experience. You're the host of the Reaching Beyond podcast. And I give it an early plug now, Sam. People need to go and check that out. You know, you, you've got one of those great voices. I just listened to them. Like, this is a great <laughs> voice for, for radio. You really found a calling. Thank and you. You know, we're hearing a lot about your journey, but you spent 13 years in the corporate world before deciding to go your own way. And, that, and that's a pivotal point in your, your life. And one of the amazing things well, I know people are going to say, well, how did this guy do it? Is that you and your wife also paid just under 400000 in personal debt off in 38 months, including your mortgage, which means that you're sort of debt free. And that is a very fulfilling feeling. I know uh, Dave Ramsey, that you've, the program you followed, and I'm an avid listener, when you stroke that grass in your yard or your garden, as we say in England, it does feel better when you're there, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. It- there's a sense of pride, which is what I think that's getting towards. And you have a sense of pride for, we worked hard, like 38 months. That was a long time. And someone hears this intro and they're like, man, um, but you have to remember, like we started this in 2015. So when we're, as of when we're recording this, I hate to timestamp this as another, you know, a fellow podcaster, you don't like that, but that's okay. you've got, you've got five, six years that we've been, you know, plugging away at this stuff. Uh, so it doesn't happen overnight and you don't, well, I guess you can get into debt overnight, but most people don't. So the process of getting out of it and, and changing your life and transforming and doing work that's fulfilling, it, just, it takes time. So I want to make sure if someone's listening and they hear, they hear all those things, like six years is how long we've been slugging away at this stuff. Yeah, and it's funny, it's very true. I mean, a good friend of mine, multimillionaire, lives in China. Even he will say there is no overnight success. You know, he's got his own YouTube channel and he'll often talk about that. And when people say the overnight success, he's always very wary of them. It is hard work and dedication. So. Today, we're going to focus our conversation, Carl, about sort of your time in the corporate world, the change that led to you moving on to your debt journey. And then I want to talk about your work life. Um, there's a rhythm to work and life. And that, there's some great insight you're going to share there. So 
maybe let's start off a little bit about, you know, you were being burnt out in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. Maybe sort of chart us a little bit about your journey and sort of what that looked like for you. Yes. So uh, 13 years, corporate world, and like many people, um, if you're in the corporate world, this will make a lot of sense to you, right? You climb the corporate ladder, you're the first one in the office, you're the last one to leave the office because you, you want to be seen as the hard worker, the team player who picks up extra um, projects. You know, you want to be identified as the person who's doing all the things so you can keep, keep climbing the ladder and keep getting the promotion and keep getting the next title so that you can get to the next title. And I had all those things, you know, I had defined success as the, the paycheck, the title, um, the cars I was driving, the house I had, and I had all those things, you know, about 2015. And I looked around, Simon, and I'm like, I'm doing all the things I think I'm supposed to be doing, and I'm lonely, and this sucks, and the work isn't fun, and I'm completely not fulfilled. And I was really confused because I thought I was doing all the things I was supposed to be doing. So this brings me to this point where I'm really lost. I have no idea who I am. I have no idea what I want to do. And I'm sitting there and I'm about mid thirties at this time in age, about 35 years old. And I'm asking myself, do I want to keep doing this for 10, 15, 20 years and, and get to retirement? And I had to answer those questions. And the answer was very clear, no. But the problem was I was stuck because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And number two, my wife and I had been living, um, our, our means had expanded to the amount of money we were making. With every increase in pay, with every bonus, we spent it all. So we were living at or above our means. And so now I'm stuck in a job. I know I don't want to be there. But number two, I don't know how to get out of it because I can't just leave. So it, it was a really difficult Eight, 12 to 18 months where we were sitting there and I knew I didn't want to, to be there anymore, but I, I couldn't just leave. And I specifically remember I was in a sales position. So every month we would sit down with the owner of the company and um, we'd have to report to our sales numbers. And anyone who's in this position understands this and you get a little bit sweaty thinking about it because you're like, man, I'm not hitting my numbers. And I know I'm going to get asked the question, like, what's the update? And this is how toxic the culture was at this place. The owner of the company would literally say, and he said it half serious, half joking, but we all know what that really means. So he said, anyone who's not hitting their numbers next month, I'm bringing subway applications for you to fill out because you won't have a job here. So that was the work culture that I was in. It was so toxic. And every night I would go to my wife. I said, babe, I just, I'm going to go in tomorrow and I'm going to put my two week notice in and I'm done. But again, we can't. Because financially, we were relying on that money, living paycheck to paycheck, um, but making really good money. And, and so we were stuck. And so that's kind of the, the, the story of burnout. And then it's gone a completely different direction from there. And it was interesting when I was researching part of that story through your website, and I'll put all your details in the show notes, people can follow your story and also the Dave Ramsey link as well, where you did your debt-free screen on there. But what was interesting to me is I could see myself in your life. <laughs> and, and, and I remember time, I mean, I, I know I've shared with you before part of my journey is, you know, I bought, I sort of had an absent father growing up through, through my life and thought about, okay, you know, you get things through working hard. I mean, that's one mm. of my gifts. I can, no one works harder than Simon. I can, you know, work till three, four o'clock in the morning. But at the same time, I've, there's been key times in my, in my life when I've 
neglecting my family and I can relate a lot to what you were saying and you know for, for growing up with an absent father and saying okay I want to change the trajectory of me and my life and then when I, when I went on to become a father there was a time I can remember my youngest son was maybe probably or my oldest son was maybe four or five and there was a time I worked for a large finance institution I won't name who they are um, but my director who became a good friend of mine he rang me Sunday at 7.30 in the morning and what did I do Carl? I instantly took the call and we're talking. Yeah, yeah. And my son came over and said, dad, dad, ask me a question. And I was like, yeah, in a minute, in a minute, Maxwell, in a minute. And it was most probably three or four times. And he came back and delivered that line that any father is a dagger to the heart when he said, dad, you said that 30 minutes ago. Um, and I just looked at myself and thought, wow, Simon, look, look what you've, look what you've become. And like I said, my, my director, ex-director is, a, is still a good friend of mine, but it was, I did trap myself in that, in that cycle. So well, why do you think people do that, Carl? What is it that makes us get trapped like that? I think there's a few things to it. Um, and, and your motivation is really powerful, right? I think you wanted to, and you want to change the family tree and the legacy, and you want to be a father who is providing and providing well. So there's strong motivation there. But I think we believe that in order to be successful at work, we have to sacrifice many things at home. And so the, the tagline that I kind of go with is you, you don't have to sacrifice your personal balance sheet for your professional one because no amount of success at work covers up for a failure at home. So we, we somehow think like this, you know, hustle, hustle, work, grind, hustle, work, grind, 12 hours a day, 14 hours a day, six days a week eventually gets us to this thing this thing that we want. But what we don't realize is when we do that, or if we do that, we burn so many things on that path that it might not be repairable. And so you have to ask yourself, is it worth it? Like, is it worth it to do all? Is it worth it not to have the relationship with your kids or your spouse or to sacrifice your health, your fitness, your wellness, your spirituality, your emotional health, your mental health, all those things I think the answer is no, you can still be successful professionally and you can have boundaries. You can have your containers of work that you protect. I was just looking at a statistic the other day about how I, I don't I'm going to butcher this. So I got to be careful what I say. Okay. So don't, don't quote me on this, but it I'll basically just it out. Yeah, <laughs> I think there, there was a stat on the number of online purchases. I don't know if it's Amazon or not. But a staggering num a number of these purchases happen during the work hours. And so many people are doing non-related work activities during work. So when we, ch you know, I challenge people with, you can find the time in your workday. You don't need to work 12 hours a day. They're like, yeah, but you don't know, Kyle. You don't understand my job. You don't, I'm like, I know. I do know. I was there and I was doing all the things at work that were not work related, if I had just focused and became more efficient and effective in my job, I wouldn't have to do that. And when the end of the workday comes or the end of your work container arrives, you now need to take the hat off transition. And now I'm a, you know, now I'm a husband and now I'm a father and I don't need to pick this stuff up until later. I mean, the last corporate job I had was video games. I'm not saving anyone's life by slinging video games to people. I, when I'm home with my wife and I'm home with my son, like that's the priority and everything else can just wait. Or if I put my kids to bed, maybe I need to check my email for 30 minutes. The problem, Simon, now is we don't 
we don't work from home. We live at work. And that's the big issue is that we don't have any structure. We don't have any boundaries around work. And that's exactly what we need, especially in today's day and age. Yeah, I'm fascinating you say that when you're talking, I wrote a point down earlier. But, you know, what we often feel that we need isn't really what we want. And, you know, that sense of being trapped and the material things, the possessions, the, the nice house, that, that motivation to get promoted, to get a better job. I mean, all my two sons, and I know you are father as well, all our kids really want us to do is they want our time. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that is the treasure to, to them. And quite often I'm, I'm smiling and going to hold myself accountable. I'm the worst for sitting on the couch with the laptop and just not engaging with them. It's something I've got to constantly work on. But it is, it's really weird and unusual as humans. We always drift towards these material things in our life, don't we? We don't, I know you talk a lot about containers and that work-life rhythm. It is really hard for us to, to find. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if, if there is any answer other than true reflection as to keep level setting what is important in our lives. Yeah, I think it's a constant course correction. I mean, I think that's the part of the rhythm that you want to live inside of is, you know, maybe it's once a month, you just kind of do an honest reflection and bring some awareness to, all right, where where are things off a little bit right now? Maybe you just came from a season of work that was pretty intense and you, you need to focus on filling up cups in other categories of life. And your kid, and if you're a, a parent, your kids need to feel that. Like they need to feel that. All right, I know daddy's or mommy's in a little bit of a, a work stretch right now, but I know that after that, we've got this thing to look forward to. And it doesn't have to be, you know, a ten thousand dollar trip down to Disney. Like yeah. it literally can just be something that is focused on the family. There's macro strategies and there's micro strategies. There needs to be big things, but there needs to be a lot of small things. Like my kid doesn't really care. Um, he just wants to hang out with dad. We were just walking around outside. We're getting ready for spring in the North Woods. So we were setting up fly traps together and we were setting up all these different mosquito things. And he doesn't care. Like it, it, we could have just built a fake a fly trap, he, it wouldn't matter to him. He just wanted to be around dad. So those are the most important things that we need to remember too. And so you have this realization, you're stuck in the, the corporate world, you know, you're climbing the ladder in these different jobs and you are there and you feel, you know, at that top of that mountain, some might say, and you weren't feeling fulfilled. And a big piece of your story was about the debt that you were holding. And, you know, mm-hmm. I know you, I know you educated on this. So you're going to feel no shame in some of the questions, but you know, you have the, you have the personal debt, like a lot of people do, and you realize yeah. that you need to remove the debt to give you that freedom where you can wake up in the morning and choose what you want to do, mm-hmm. rather be a sort of a slave to the, the borrower is a slave to a lender, you know, using mm-hmm. a Dave Ramsey quote. So tell us a bit about that debt-free journey. What led up to you, you and your wife saying, okay, we need to, we need to clean all this stuff up and this is our plan as to how we're going to do it. So I left corporate America and I became a high school business teacher. And one of the classes that I taught was personal finance. And so I'm teaching the curriculum to the students and I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, I'm teaching all these things to these kids. And these are the the same things that I'm doing. And man, I feel broke. And man, I feel like I'm living paycheck to paycheck and I don't have savings. And so it just didn't line up to me. And just so I started researching, like, what other curriculums are out there? How else can I study and approach the topic of personal finance? Like these kids are coming out of college with 50, 60, 70, 80 grand in student loan debt. You know, you and I didn't really have that. So like, what's going on here? 
So I found Dave Ramsey's curriculum and I really enjoyed it. And so my wife and I started that plan as in our personal life. So I'm getting to teach Dave Ramsey's curriculum to students at the same time my wife and I are going through it. And so it was a really fun way to kind of do this with the kids. But what really started, and everyone needs this aha moment slap in the face, because you know, you don't want to wait until it's almost too late. You don't want to have to have this wake up call. We manufactured it. So here's what we did. And maybe you've heard me say this story, but maybe the listener hasn't. I think this is really important. You can go to the social security website, ssa.gov, and you plug in your social security number, obviously, and then it's projecting your social security at retirement, but it uses your life to date earnings. So if you need a wake up call to say, All right, I need to do things a little bit different. SSA.gov, create your profile, and it'll pull up your life-to-date earnings. And so I I don't know if you've ever done that, Simon. I obviously did a couple years ago, and I was shocked. I was like, I've made this much money, and I've got literally nothing to show for it. Literally nothing. We are in $400,000 of debt. I've got no savings next to nothing for retirement. My wife, same thing, made a lot of money and we're looking around, we've got nothing, man. And I got so angry, upset, sad, ashamed, all of the feelings. And it was this culmination of ultimately looking in the mirror and saying, you're responsible for this. You got yourself into this and you can get yourself out of this. And so then you fast forward 38 months, we paid off all the debt. Um, There's a lot of stories in there, but if people need like this tangible thing to get the kick in the pants and get something and and do something different, ssa.gov, and you will be shocked at how much money you've made in your lifetime. And I know I listened to your podcast episode when you did that, Carl, and I was smiling. As you said, I don't know if you've done this, Simon, because I've been in the US 10 years now and I've been very blessed with the organizations that I've worked for. I'm very blessed with what God has sort of uh, asked me to be a steward of. Mm -hmm. And I tried to go onto the website to take a look. And I couldn't remember a lot of the security questions. So in the end, <laughs> I think I was one step away from it blocking me. And so me and my wife was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. So I got myself out of jail by not looking online because I would be shocked like you yeah. as to mostly what I've earned. And I look around as to where are mine? Where, what is my net worth? It wouldn't correlate. And my, my wife tried to do it. And I think she struggled on the security questions. So we've been, we've been spared the embarrassment, but you still gave me the kick to, to do it. That was all I needed. That's all I needed. Yeah. Well, and you can probably estimate, right? If you've been here for, for 10 years, you probably have yeah. a pretty good idea. But if someone's, you know, I do, 40... I don't want to ask that question. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. move on for that. Simon's embarrassed enough, but you're right. You are right. Yeah. 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 So that was it. That's what started it for us. And so I know part of that journey, you know, I'm going to um, get a little bit um, prickly and I'm going to use some of my own assumptions in here. Mm-hmm. I know part of a journey was that you... Um, went home and you stayed, became a stay-at-home dad, um, and then your wife went to work. And I don't want my listeners to think Simon's a sexist because that's far from the truth. But I think it's it's a right and fair question to ask a fellow man. You know, what was that experience like? Because you're trying to get out of debt, and that involves whoever earns the most money has got to stay in employment. And you had a young son, so so you stayed at home. I mean, how did that affect you as a man? And what emotions and feelings were you facing? Were you fear and judgment by others when you? You've got to say to someone, you know, what do you do for vocation? Everyone here in the US wants to know what do you do for work? That's the first question they ask you. I'll notice that. It's followed by how much do you earn? So when you're going through those, what, what type of emotions and feelings were you having, Kyle? Um, 
Good question. I don't get asked this question enough, and I wish no I one's would. brave enough. No one's brave enough to yeah, ask it. I'm like, come on, ask, give me the questions because uh, I had to work through this right for a long time. So, number one, um, I want someone to just kind of for for context. My wife and I sat down. We are people of faith as well, and so we kind of were looking for direction as to how to handle this. So we pray through it, got some counsel and wisdom from others that we um, respect. And and for us, we decided and felt led that that I should stay home for a season. And you have to remember, like, everything is just a season, right? I didn't, this is a period of our story. So I stayed home and you're right, man, like every, you meet someone and the first question they ask you is, what do you do for work? So I found myself in all these social settings and it's a bunch of guys, right? And we stand in a circle kind of, and people are, hey, so what do you do? Okay, cool, what do you do? And and as it gets closer to me and closer to me, I'm sweating and I'm like, oh, please don't ask me, someone change the subject. And then of course it comes, you know, Kyle, what do you, what do, you do for work? And I'm like, I stay at home with our son. And I get one of two responses. One is either like, oh, this is super awkward. Let's go to the next person and let's quick ask the next person what they do. Or the second one is, oh, that is, that's really cool. I, I really respect that. You must have a, a really great relationship with your son. And so it, it was usually one of those two responses. But for me, I had to swallow my ego. I had to swallow my pride. I had to be humble and say, this is what we feel led to do. And this is for a season of time. And you know what? I'm going to lean into it. Uh, it was challenging. Um, our son wasn't the easiest as as a little guy. Uh, didn't sleep that great. Pretty colicky, pretty fussy. Um, and it was challenging. And it was challenging for my wife, too. I need to acknowledge her because, you know, she had similar questions that were asked. And um, she had to deal with all that stuff, too. So it was challenging for both of us. But looking back on it now, it happened so fast. The time went by so quickly. <clears throat> and I have an amazing relationship with my son. And I don't, I don't wish it away. I didn't wish it away. Uh, it's, been, it's been challenging, but it's also been really fun. And I think the, the memories that you and, you and your son must have created during that time, like, you know, as you just said, you, know, you can't change those. You can't replace mm -hmm. those. It's, there, there are various different views, which is one reason why I really want to ask you a question. There are certain views that the world, and as you say, I'm going to keep using your word, containers that society puts us in, that, you know, the man should be the person out earning the, the money. If he's not, what's wrong with him? You know, the, I'm sure your wife is feeling when people ask, um, you know, where's her son? You know, and she said, yeah. well, I'm at work full time. My husband's at home. She must be, like you said, facing the same type yeah. of emotions as people when judging her and stuff. But you know, deep down, um, you know, I, I would love to be in your position where you could do that because the, the connection that you and your son must have, it, it must, must be very strong, Carl. So I'm proud of you for, for doing that. What's the one thing that you'd say, the, the one thing you learned about yourself during that time of your life when you're a stay-at-home dad? I, you know, I used to think I was patient. And then when I stayed home with my son, it was a character refinement opportunity. That's how I, I like to phrase it, because I got to work on patience. I got to work on things don't go as planned. And for me, like I'm a very much uh, a planned out person. I like to plan things out. Well, guess what? Like a six month old doesn't really care about your plans. One day he's going to nap for two hours. The next day he naps for 17 minutes. And I had to be comfortable and I had to be 
okay with things not going the way I wanted them to go. And every single day was different. And so that was my character refinement was I got patience um, and I just got to work on, hey, you might have plans, but my son Cal doesn't care about your plans and you got to be fluid and be okay with that. Yeah, interestingly, um, one of the sacrifices that you made was, you know, being in the you were sort of moving out of a corporate world by then was to sort of pay the, the, the debt off. So the sacrifice was most of the work life, but the game was building that relationship with your, your son. Mm-hmm. Um, and tying that then into sort of paying off the sort of debt journey, what was one of the biggest sacrifices that you feel you had to make personally surrounding paying off this 400000 in 38 months? Uh, there must have been times when friends said, hey, Carl, do you want to come on this golfing trip or do you want to go to Arizona or do you want to go out for a meal? And you're saying, well, I'm, I've got my food stamps here, my brown envelope with $10 in for the month. The answer is no. So what, what was the biggest sacrifice you had to make? Um, a really good question. There's a couple, you know, I would say that we, because my wife has got a lot of food allergies and sensitivities, going out to eat isn't really a big thing for us. So that was never a, a big challenge. We said no a lot. Um, but I think what people need to hear is being on a budget isn't constricting. It's actually permission to spend when you do it correctly. So we sit down and we look at the month and we look at and we budget. Here's how this month is going to go. But, you know, say, say I've got some guys who are like, hey, let's, let's go on this golf trip. I, I'll choose not to because that means that takes money away from how we're paying off this debt and how quickly we are. But it doesn't mean that I can't put a, a, a golf trip on, in the budget like I sure can. We just plan for it. Where people get into mistakes and hard times is is they have a budget or they don't have a budget, this thing comes up and they just do it without paying attention, but they put it on a credit card. Well, they don't have, they've already spent money they don't have. And so now you just get into this snowball of credit card debt. But we didn't go on vacation for those 38 months that, that we went through the debt. Our, our va- quote unquote vacation would look like maybe a staycation and spending, you know, maybe it's a hundred bucks a night at a hotel in, in the city where we were, or going to visit my family in Wisconsin or my wife's family in North Dakota. We just reframed those things. So that was probably, those are all the little sacrifices along the day, along the way. But the big sacrifice, Simon, was I put my career on pause. I basically said, I'm not, I'm not going to work. And this is, Staying home is what providing for my family looks like right now. That's the season we're in. But the beautiful gift is it gave me two years to reflect and read and journal and write and pray about what's next. Because then what's after this story is that I've created a business and I've created a business with zero debts. And now that business is thriving and crushing it. And I couldn't, I don't know what it would be like to try to create a business with a, with a ton of debt. I mean, that'd be a pretty big, um, pretty big burden, I think. I don't, but I don't know, because we, we were given this gift and I, I took it and I ran with it. And very true. You know, I think that a note I was writing down when you're talking is um, having a budget can make the, the wants versus needs. There, there's things that I want all the time and Amazon one click is dangerous. And I myself go and I, I live in a cul-de-sac and I say there's not a week goes by when there's not an Amazon truck going to someone's um, house. Yep. But 
you know, that reflection often says, yeah, I really want it, but do I need it? You know, and it's, I think there should be that cool off period on Amazon where you can go in and cancel your order and stuff. But, <laughs> and so what about, you know, I mean, we've been very um, blessed. I know you're, you're very blessed in life and people hearing your story, but if someone is on a sort of a lower end of income, I mean, some of the things that you've put into place, is it something that anyone can do or is it just because you're blessed and you and your, your wife have good employment and you can sort of pay off his debt? I mean, what's, What's, what's the best advice you can give to someone? If I say, yeah, but Carl, I'm not like you. I don't earn as much money as you have. Um, I don't have these things. Um, you know, what, what advice do you give to, a, to a sort of a, the person on the lower end of the income maybe? I love this question because when people hear our story and our numbers, you know what they immediately do is they immediately write it off and they say, must be nice. I wish I could make that much yes. money. Yeah. I'm like, BS, man, Be do you have $380,000 in debt? Chances are probably not. You probably have much less. So what you need to do is look at a ratio. So when we started paying off this debt, we had about two times the amount of debt that we made in a year, gross. So someone's making, you know, the, the I think the US average household income is 70 grand. That means they've got 140 grand in debt. You should look at the ratio, not compare your number to ours. So I think people first need to understand that. Um, you know, don't throw rocks, don't throw stones just because maybe you don't make the same amount of money. My, my hope is you don't have as much debt as, as we had. So to answer your question then, yes, the, the principles and the discipline of stewarding money applies to everyone. It doesn't matter how much money you make. So if people are listening right now, Simon, and they're, they're thinking to themselves, well, yeah, but if I just made more money, this problem would go away. Yeah. And my, no, my response is always, all right, again, we're people of faith. So imagine this, if God's giving you $70,000 a year to manage and you can't manage $70,000, why would he give you $150,000 to manage? He won't do that. And so making more money, even if you happen to do it, look at people that win the lottery, they go bankrupt. You will not, if you can't manage the current money that you've been given, you won't be given more money to manage. So it doesn't matter where on the spectrum you fall uh, in terms of income, you have to understand how to manage money. And so my answer to that is yes, any, it doesn't matter where you sit on the income scale, the, the principles of managing money and the principles of having discipline, the principles of not just living for today and saving for tomorrow and thinking long-term, that applies to anyone and everyone. Yeah, it's amazing you, you um, raise those so um just really great points because it is true as to how we live our lives. You know, we, we always want more. Okay, if I only earn a hundred thousand, yeah. all this would go away. If yeah. I earn 150,000, it goes, and it never does. One, it's never enough. Is it whatever you earn is never enough. And if you don't have the right spending habits in place, um, you know, it's just going to keep escalating and taking over. So, so let's move on to then the work-life rhythm. So we've got your sort of journey in the corporate world. Uh, we've got to you having this realization you need to pay all this debt off. You and your wife have cleaned our debt up. And, and now we've got the work-life rhythm. So maybe tell us a little bit about um, how you came to realize that and tell us a bit about what your program is to how you help people. Yeah, so um, I burned out in corporate America and we have this, um, this uh, phrase called work-life balance. 
work-life balance isn't really achievable and it's certainly not sustainable because when you hear the word balance you think of a, a point in time right you think of you think of the scales tipping and, and you're trying to counterbalance but it's always this point in time and actually the word work-life balance comes from the 1800s which it was uh, a labor activist who said it should be eight hours of work eight hours of leisure eight hours of rest and that doesn't really work. It's from the industrial age when there's, you know, so many different employers that were forcing labor at, of young ages and 12, 14 hour days. And so that's what it was trying to counterbalance was these really long days. And so I believe in rhythm, not balance, because rhythm suggests that it's fluid, it's moving, it's constantly in motion. And I define it as periods of focused work followed by periods of rest and recharging and relaxing. The best visual that I can explain is this. Anyone who strength trains, who goes to the gym and works out with weights, in the process of doing so, you're actually breaking down your muscle. Your muscle grows when you rest and you, nutri you put nutrition into your body and, and you recover. The same thing is true in our professional life and all the other categories of life. You're going to have, I mean, we live in America, there's going to be work. There's plenty of work. But the challenge then is you just can't keep hustling and 12 hour days and, 12, and, and month after month, year after year working. So you're going to burn out. You've got to figure out how do I rest and recharge and play on top of all of this intense work. That's how you can sustain high levels of performance. Um, most people in America are really good at that hustle and that grind. Most people in America are, are not good at resting and recharging and playing. And that doesn't mean escapist behaviors like sitting in front of Netflix and just binging shows. Like you've got to like truly get out and recharge and rest and play and be creative and solitude um, so that, that's how I kind of define work-life rhythm. And one of the things I like about it is I think on your website, I read this about there's different seasons in our life. And it's very tragic. I was texting a good friend of mine, James Kay in England, only this morning saying, do you realize this year um, I've been outside of the police for 10 years? You know, in England, I was detective in the police for 14 years. I've, I've near, nearly been in corporate America longer than what I was in the police in England, you know, and I think it's, um, there are these different seasons in, in our lives where we do different things. And yep. I'm very aware of, I, I can't keep driving like I'm doing. Everyone's concerned someone's going to have a heart attack one day. I'm like, no, no, this is just, this is just life, right? But it is very true as to what you say. There has to be these elements of slow down reflections. And, and I would echo what yep. you said is that Netflix binging isn't one of them, but you know, um, maybe that'll lead us on to about your experiences then. So how do people, how do people like me and you that are just addicted to, to work and stuff, you know, tell us about the experiences you've created to help us unwind. Yeah. So most people are running on a flat tire uh, and we, we may not know that yet. And you can run on a flat tire for a while, but eventually it's, it's going to blow up and then worse things happen. So what I try and do is I try and interrupt the pattern. I try and give people a break and I try and change their environment. I think our environment anchors information. So if I can take Simon out of his routine and if I can drop him into this other container that looks like surrounding you with like-minded people, that looks like 
forcing you to try something you've never tried before, um, giving you an element of mystery and surprise and, and forcing you to stop the, the doing and allow you to just be. And that's what I do. I create these little containers that are three nights and we go somewhere. It's, it's in destination. And I force you to stop work and I force you to plug into the other parts of life, like creativity, like solitude. Um, and I, I just give you something else to do and something else to try and just be and then surround you with discussion around what's coming up, like what, what's going on, where do you need help? Um, all of those things and just allow you to be present, allow you to be where your feet are. And so it, it really came from like being in the corporate world. I went to all the leadership seminars, all the leadership trainings. I've done all the personal growth things and they all happen and you're smiling and you're laughing, you're shaking your head because you know this. They all happen inside of a hotel convention room with no windows, four walls. You're, you're sitting by people you don't know and you're just listening to a speaker. I don't get really inspired by that. I get inspired by doing and by experiencing things. So I just try and recreate that. I flip the model on its head and we just go out and have fun and do some, some new stuff. We learn best by experiencing and by doing something. So that's what I try and recreate. And it's amazing to hear that you take people outside of the norm or even outside of their comfort zone. And just give these experiences so they can connect to their inner selves. You know, quite often when you're busy and you're rushing around, you're not really having that reflection and solitude. As you mentioned, I've done a couple of silent retreats. Anyone that knows me knows that I'm a talker. It's difficult to do. But when, once you're in there, Carl, honestly, I mean, you go, went away to one here in Minnesota for, for three days. And the first day you're scrambling around trying to find your phone. And then after that, you're just taking in all that nature has to offer and everything around you. You go into this deep period of reflection so it, it really does work a note i wrote down was what are some of because you know these experiences are focused on on men but what are some of the similarities that you see in their personalities as to why they can't slow down or why they need you is there any similarities that you're seeing in in these men backgrounds life experience whatever it is yep a lot of entrepreneurs uh most of them are entrepreneurs and they're the worst at work-life balance and rhythm because so much of it is within their control and they've literally birthed a business. And so they feel so much attachment to it. Um, but, but just the desire, or at least I should say, I'll rephrase that, the, the struggle to slow down. They do not know how to do that. Uh, they're stuck in so much of the doing and the doing, the achievement, the achievement that they never allow themselves to just slow down. Um, th that's probably one of the biggest things. And so I force them to slow down and I force them to take a break. And then one of the other challenges they have is finding a tribe of people that support them and truly are as enthusiastic about their success as they are their own. And, and that's a real struggle because as people start to get a level of success, we live in this world where people want to tear them down and they don't have this tribe or this crew around them. That's like, heck yeah, man, good job on, on that. Or it looks like you need some help here. We're going to hold you accountable to that. The last breakfast on all these experiences, I force each guy to say, in the next 30 to 60 days, what do you want to work on? We're going to hold you accountable to that. And you'd be surprised, Simon, 
80 percent will will give me a goal on something not related to work. Like I want to take my my wife out on dates every other week. I, I, I need to lose about 15 pounds uh, or I need to find a hobby because I'm constantly working. That's what most people really struggle with is all the other aspects of life outside of work. And so that's where we kind of wrap them around a tribe of people that will support them and encourage them and challenge them. What I like that you said there is that a lot of people are struggling and a good friend of mine, um, I'll call out his first name, Jim. I'm not going to say any more about him and that is his real name, but me and him are always talking about how do we slow down? You know, I think it's in our DNA. Whenever we go shooting or we're in the car together, it's like, We've got to slow down because this is killing us, but we just can't do it. So it is fascinating um, tying that into the accountability and the tribe. You know, if ever I'm blessed enough, uh, Kyle, I'd love to come on one of your um, one of uh, one of your experiences and see how you teach people to do it. Because after living on this earth for 43 years, I haven't found the answer yet. So I, I think you've I think you've got it for me. So just a, just the last question about you, then. So you're you're with all these high net worth entrepreneurs. Um, do you ever sit there at a dinner table. I mean, I know a lot, you know, we follow each other on social media and I looked at some of the, the last people that have gone on there and I was thinking, yeah, he must be, he must have this, he must have that. Making some strong assumptions based on, you know, the type of people they are. Do you ever sit around the table and say, wow, how am I here? But the net worth of these individuals is millions and millions of dollars, I'm sure. Why is this guy from Wisconsin here? How did this happen? Do you ever, do you ever say that? Yeah. Not saying there's anything wrong with Wisconsin other than the Packers, you know, but I mean, do you ever, do you ever yeah. think, oh, there he goes, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because we all struggle with imposter syndrome, which is who am I, right? Like, who am I to do this? Um, but I also have a really strong sense of my ability to bring value to the equation. What I'm providing for these guys is not just a bucket list experience and changing out a, a NASCAR, um, doing a NASCAR pit crew experience. It's not, it's not that. I am giving them a container that draws awareness to where they're struggling and where they need help. And it's healing relationships, marriages, helping them get healthier, and all that in return allows them to be better at their work. So, yeah, I totally do. I look around and I'm like, man, these guys, like they're way more, quote unquote, successful than me. What am I doing here? But at the same time, I've got an amazing relationship with my son. My wife and I have a, it's not perfect, but we've got a great relationship so I have a lot of value that I can bring to this equation. And if you can solve, if you can solve that and you can provide value and stand firm in how much that value represents to people, that's um, really powerful. And it gives me a lot of confidence. So I just need to continue to remind myself about the value equation and the value I bring to these guys. Yeah, but great words of wisdom, Kyle. And one of the notes I wrote down was, um, from your even your time being a home still um, sort of stay at home dad was working on yourself. I think that has been reflected throughout your story. But some might just say, well, you were just staying at home with your son, but no, you were reading, you were writing, you're working on yourself. And uh, I think in your sort of work life rhythm, that's quite often what we don't do is um, there's a strong self development throughout your story, and now you're sharing that with with others. So um, 
It's been a great, great time talking with you. I know that there's just so much. I'm going to have to go back and listen to this again myself. <laughs> just make sure I get all, get all the stuff. So, so what are the best places for people to get hold of you, Carl, from your website and to some of the experiences that you, that you run? Um, Instagram is probably the most popular, um, Kyle underscore Depius. And then my, my website is the same, Kyle Depius. Those are, I respond to all messages on Instagram, at least the ones that aren't spam or, or robots. Yes. I do get my fair share of that, which I usually have fun on. The other day I was approached by someone who wanted to do some brand work with like an all women's I'm like, you know that you're talking to a guy with a with a beard yeah. in the north woods of Minnesota. Like it's not so as long as it's not a bot, but if someone truly has questions on how do I get, you know, how do I find the right rhythm? I'm stuck here. I'm burned out. I'm in debt. Like what are the things uh, I'm happy to uh, I just I think social media is designed to connect. It's designed to inspire and encourage and lift up. And if there's one thing I'm good at, I'm good at cheering other people on. So if people need that, uh, please reach out on Instagram and I'm happy to share and help. And one of the things, if you allow me, I know I've got a link somewhere is I'll put in the show notes, I'll put your debt calculator that you've got. You've got this free debt calculator where people can work out uh, where, where they are and then have that come to Jesus movement or whatever higher power they believe in with creator to, to work out how much have I squandered or lost over the years. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, Carl, it's been a, an honor and a privilege to talk to you today. And I love the work that you are doing and will continue to listen to your podcast. So really appreciative of your time and you take care. Thanks, Simon. I appreciate you. Thanks for sharing your platform with me. Thank you for joining the Who I Became podcast. To help spread this inspiring story, be sure to share it with your friends, hit the like button, and of course, subscribe to our channel so you won't miss out on any future episodes. We'd also love to hear how this story impacted you, so leave us a comment on whatever platform you're watching us from. To learn more about this episode, our guests, or Simon, head over to simonosimo slash podcast and sign up to receive the latest information delivered straight to your inbox. Once again, thank you for joining us for the Who I Became podcast.